This is Go Mountain Goats, and I'm Finlay Wild. Welcome to the second interview. Hey, um, I'm really excited to speak in a minute to Kerry Wallace about all things Glencoe. But first, um, I thought, yeah, you might be wondering, well, what's, what's the plan? What's this podcast all about? What's the format? So <laughs> there isn't a, a hugely um, defined plan. Basically, there's a ton of people who I'd like to chat to about sort of all things mountain related, things that I find interesting. So there's going to be, of course, running. There's going to be a mix. There's going to be, I'm sure, some climbing and some some scrambling and skiing. But we're not we're not limited to that. Just um, kind of whatever whatever we fancy. So I have now got a website. It's called GoMountainGoats.com. And on that, there's links to the podcast and some photography and articles and things. Um, I've also set up an email, gomountaingoats at gmail.com. So if anyone's got any comments or feedback or ideas, that'd be good to, good to hear. And I wondered if we might do uh, a news section. So no races on at the moment um, with COVID restrictions. So everyone's gone sort of personal challenge and FKT, fastest known time, um, crazy. So as we speak, we've got uh, Sabrina Vergi is on the massive uh, Wainwright's round attempt down in the lakes. So, I mean, this is kind of un uncomprehensibly big, uh, 214 Wainwrights, um, 525 kilometers, I think. Um, Paul Turney has the record uh, last year at six days six hours so i think uh sabrina's almost um i think she's maybe into the the sixth day uh, of that so um definitely worth uh, looking out for the results of that um also at the same time we've got ian stewart has i think just recently set off on um all the monroes and the cairngorms which sounds yeah i haven't got a map in front of me but sounds massive 58 monroes apparently um, earlier this month, so this is July 2020, uh, we had Johnny Muir um, set up a round of the Pentlands. Another big, uh, this is 51 miles, 12 hours, 32 minutes. So um, all these folk, it'd be great to, to speak to some of them at some point about these exciting days out in the hills. Um, certainly in Le Cabre, um, it's, it's FKT season um, and lots of folk have been, been getting out. Um, I, I set a, a benchmark record on Le Cabre Traverse, so that's um, the Grey Corries, uh, the Annex and the Ben, um, 3 hours 32, uh, which I was pretty pleased with, and I'll put more information up online in due course. Uh, a ton of other people have been uh, getting out on that. Uh, Susie Devi did a ladies time of uh, 7 hours 5 minutes, something like that, so I don't know of any faster times, but... Um, be good. To, I mean, it's, it's great seeing loads of people getting out and and doing these. Uh, certainly heard of some tranters getting done recently, and as well, um, quite a bit of interest this year and this summer in the Mamores round. So this is ten Monroes. I think I love the Mamores, and we're hopefully going to speak more to people about this in the near future. Um, but ten Monroes, thirty-five kilometers, and it's just a really nice round. Um, so who we had, Kerry, who we're going to speak to very shortly, um, set a sort of female sort of first uh, FKT benchmark, uh, nine hours, 15 minutes. Uh, Sarah McDonald came, came along, also from Balahulish Glencoe, just a couple of days later and whittled that down to seven hours, 59 minutes. Um, this, is, this is fantastic. Um, I mean, the, the overall sort of record was, uh, I think, seven hours until... Um, until I came along a few years ago and brought it down to 5.18. And actually, uh, last week I had another go uh, and got it down to uh, just under four hours, 50 minutes. So yeah, my more's round. I could go, go on all day, but um, let's move on. <laughs> uh, this interview, so um, recording, it's a, quite a steep learning curve. Um, we were recording uh, in, well, outside, so in Kerry's garage, but with the doors wide open. And uh, I had a pretty schoolboy error of uh, having a battery, uh, batteries run out on my main recorder. However, Doogie, my friend, had very uh, sensibly advised me to have a backup recording on my phone. 
So we have that and I'll splice that in and hopefully, apart from me uh, starting the re-recording, when once I realize, you probably won't realize, uh, you probably won't notice the, the splice, hopefully. <laughs> and okay, my guest today uh, is Kerry Wallace of Glencoe, who is one of the directors of Girls on Hills, which is a, a running guiding company uh, based in Glencoe, which is going from strength to strength over the last couple of years. Kerry is a mum of a three-year-old and a five-year-old, and as you'll hear from her herself, she first started out more down a, a rock climbing route and was a climbing instructor, um, and then later got into you know hill running and, and sky running. And really, today we're going to hopefully share just a love of the hills of Glencoe. Uh, in general, and more specifically talking about um, the six ridges of the Buchel, so Buchel Etiv Moor, um, the herdsman of Etiv, where Carrie and her husband Ben um, did this really cool link up, uh, linking up sort of scrambling ridges, the most famous of which is Curved Ridge, which um, people will have heard of from the Glencoe skyline, amongst other things. So thanks very much Carrie, for coming on, and let's get to the interview. Hello. Uh, thanks very much for coming on to talk to me. No problem. <laughs> um, I was going to start by musing on um, when we'd maybe seen each other last, <laughs> but uh, we kind of wrecked that yesterday when <laughs> yeah. we randomly just uh, bumped into each other uh, on the descent from Anakigak. Uh -huh. But actually, um, I think probably that was also the last time I saw you. Oh yeah, that. I was actually thinking about it on the way up. On the race, I was racing, yeah, and yeah. you and Susie were going down, <coughs> coming down the hill. So we were spectating. This is uh, Glencoe Skyline. Yeah. Last year, 2019, and uh, you had a great race, I think. I did have a good race. I sort of was really nervous about, um, just I didn't, I really didn't want to DNF. Basically, I felt like it was my home turf, and that would be such a tragedy. So I felt like I was being quite conservative. I went out pretty steady. Um, so, uh, and I had, yeah, I had a really sort of good, I really, really enjoyed it, which I think is probably the most important thing. Like I, I really actually enjoyed the race and, and randomly had like a negative split and was faster along, along the second oh, half than I was the first half. Um, and yeah, I was chuffed, really chuffed to bits with it, but it's, a, it's quite, you know, it's a competitive field. So I was still like really near the back, but I was, I was pre pleased with it, yeah. You were first uh, female V40, I, oh, I believe. I was, the rest yeah. of them didn't finish <laughs> so there were a few more that, that DNF'd, I think, but I, I, I think the cutoffs are quite, are quite tight at the road there, certainly for me, so as I was coming off, uh, off Bidian, I was thinking, oh, actually, you need to, to keep moving, and actually as it was, it was totally fine, but um, in the back of my mind, I was thinking, oh no, I don't want to get cut off at the road. So yeah, I think you did. I love that race. I've just done it once. But, yeah. Um, it's almost with, because the Ring of Steel has had been in the serieses and things. That's right. I remember thinking last year, spectating, that um, it just seemed like it would be this great odyssey to be doing it. Like, because um, there were less people, it was, you know, got a bit more split up because it's a long race. It's 55K yeah. or yeah. something, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And it's just, yeah, the, the watershed of Glencoe, it's really cool. I know. I felt like it had lost some of its, I don't know, profile compared to the Rig of Steel race in the last few years with it being Golden Trail and everything like that um, and it's sort of fallen away a little bit and I did actually feel I remember um, I, my phone pinged as I was going around which is I usually have my phone off but it pinged and it came up on my watch a text message that so-and-so had won and it was like I was about halfway round I was like that's a little bit demoralizing and then uh, because it was on the Sunday I think they had the kind of big after party on the night before the race so of course oh, yeah. you couldn't really go and celebrate because you hadn't raced yet i was thinking i've got this the wrong way around definitely but um so it was, yeah it was a bit funny uh, i thought this year but no i really enjoyed the run brilliant and obviously we're we're sitting we're in your garage uh <laughs> socially distanced in yeah. Balhulish, yeah. um so you're, you're a local yeah have been for about i don't know 12 years or so now living up here and um, I suppose similar to, to me living in Fort William, uh, I'm sure you really just appreciate being like having it just right on your doorstep. Yeah, definitely. Although obviously during the whole coronavirus lockdown thing, it's been uh, oh, it's been uh, taunting me out the back out the back garden because obviously we've got you know the top of the 
nearest Monroe is just a couple of K from the back door. Um, yeah. And obviously we were like, we'll not go up these hills. So yeah, and obviously we had amazing weather as well. So it was uh, it was quite hard, hard not to get out in the hills, but um, obviously, you know, doing the right thing. But, and now finally we can enjoy the hills again. So it's Now it's eased off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're going to come on in, in a bit to this, uh, the six ridges of Bucolette of Moor <laughs> yeah. link up that you did um, with husband Ben mm -hmm. uh, last month, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose just to get started, I mean, we're already talking about Glencoe. I mean, it's such a great place and it's somewhere that I don't live far away. I live in Fort William, um, but I don't come here as much as I'd like. And every time I'm here, like yesterday, I was working in, in Balahulish. Um, for the morning and then I just got out into the Anakigak and you know it's just such a great place and every time I'm here I'm like why don't I come here more um, so you obviously do a ton of running around here <laughs> yeah um, can you tell me a bit about um, where you're from and sort of when you sort of well, you said you moved here about 12 years ago mm. yeah so I've been gradually migrating up the west coast really um, because I'm originally from uh, from Cornwall the north coast of Cornwall okay. so that's where I was born and bred and um, yeah, sort of grew up um, mucking around on the beaches and playing on uh, on Bodmin Moor. And uh, I definitely had a kind of outdoorsy and, and sporty childhood. Um, but yeah, I never went up any mountains. I never saw any mountains. Um, and then I once came to Scotland when I was about 11 with a caravan. Um, and my parents brought me up here and they took me up the gondola and I went up Anak Moor and I was literally had my brain blown out. Uh, I thought it was incredible, but it didn't even occur to me that I'd ever, I'd ever go up another hill really, I suppose. It just wasn't on the radar. Um, and then, yeah, I went to university. I went to uh, Cambridge University and studied natural sciences. Um, and then I did a PhD and then I became a teacher. Basically, I've done loads of random things and then stopped doing this. So I did a PhD and then I became a science teacher. And then I did that for a few years and right. realised it wasn't for me. Um, and finally, uh, I went to Plassey Brennan in North Wales to do my SPA training because I was I really wanted to get into climbing. So single um, pitch award for, for Single climbing, pitch award, yeah. yeah, which is now the Rock Climbing Instructor uh, Award. And um, yeah, I just I kind of just fell in love with a whole kind of running and climbing and, and being in the hills. And um, in the process of going to North Wales, I met my now husband. And so we okay. sort of got together in North Wales. So then not long after that, I moved to North Wales and we lived in Clamberis for a, for a year. Did a lot of climbing um, before his work brought him up here to Scotland. So then we moved up here together and spent years just uh, climbing everything and traveling around with a van. And that, that was how life was. Um, yeah, so that's how I got here. <laughs> and he's an instructor as well. He is, he? he works yeah. for, the, for the military, for the joint services. Okay. And um, so then getting into running, when did that kind of happen for you? Yeah, I don't know, because I, I suppose I've, I'd have to draw a line between running and hill running because I did, you know, run as a kid, you know, so I did like, um, you know, athletics and things like that, you know, county level and things. Um, but I'd never, obviously, hill running, I think, wasn't kind of on the radar. Um, I even did like, um, I was like national beach flags champion over 100, 100 metre beach sprints. And these are the kind of obscure sports that exist in Cornwall that don't exist. Although I think they exist in Australia and places like that. Was it national beach? Beach flags, flags. and beach sprints. Yeah, you, you might have seen it on something like Baywatch, although it's a lot less glamorous in, in reality. You basically lie down and you have like a heat and you're on the sand and you're in your like swimming costume and your matching hat and you represent your club. Um, and there's like f literally flags in the sand and there's one less flag than there are competitors and then a beeper goes or a whistle goes and everybody okay. has to get up turn and sprint but you sort of strategically you know dive across and take you know competitors flag like maybe free one up for one of your teammates or something like that and so it's literally like the last flag so at the oh, end right. of the heat there's like two runners and one flag and then you have oh. to get the flag <laughs> and the beach sprints is just a flat out 100 meter sprint across sand across sand yeah and in it's all i suppose it's feet or in, in bare feet oh yeah no it's all in yeah, bare feet right. but it's kind of come from like surf life saving so there's lots of like surf life saving type uh run swim runs and malibu rescue and, and all sorts okay. of weird events that no one's probably ever heard of unless they like surf and, <laughs> and live by the sea but that was that was how i grew up you know? that was the sort of stuff that we did um so yeah you know i used to run but never up any hills or anything um yeah, and I, I basically kind of ended up hill running by um, friends of mine invited me to join a Three Peaks Challenge. I think this is how a lot of people end up 
kind of getting into the hills and I thought oh three peaks that sounds all right so that's yeah, you know yeah. highest summit in England uh, uh, Wales and Scotland so I thought I better get fit for this so I did a little bit of jogging around like most people do around where I lived at the time um, and then I went on this three peaks challenge and we started with the Ben so this obviously would have been the first time I've ever tried to actually walk up a hill. So okay. we started walking up the Ben really early in the morning and, and we had the misfortune of coming across a, a group of people, one of whom had had a, uh, well, turned out after the fact, had had a heart attack, but we oh, did not obviously know that at the time. Um, and his friends asked me for my phone and for some assistance. And so we all kind of you know got stuck in and I'd done some first aid for my teaching so I ended up giving CPR to this poor guy um, who unfortunately didn't make it and the Lock Arbor Mountain Rescue team came out for him and we were there for a long time because the visibility was really poor and Chopper couldn't land Um, so they went away and people came up on foot Um, and I had to speak to the Mountain Rescue and tell them where we were And, and this is obviously not your standard first day on the hill. Yeah, so this is your so basically your first. my literally first day, and day it was out. pretty surreal because on the one hand, before that had happened, I was literally thinking, "This is the most amazing day ever. I'm right. loving this. I'm absolutely loving it." And I was like tearing up the hill, and everyone's like, "Wait for me!" And I'm like, "This is so great!" And I was really excited. And then obviously that happened, and that changed the day completely. Um, and I felt I found. It hard to get over it if I'm honest because obviously he was alive when I got to him and he wasn't after the fact and I felt maybe I could have done more I could have done something different did I do the right thing should I put him in the recovery position should I not should I you know all sorts of things go through your mind um and it was pretty hard but on the way home in the car I just remember thinking he was a young guy had a family um you know life's too short that kind of thing um, and I started thinking, you know, the things that I wanted to do with my own life and I wanted to go climbing and I wanted to, to go up mountains. And I was like, I'm too old for that. And I was like in my sort of mid-20s at the really? time. And I remember <laughs> thinking, I even caught myself going, you're an idiot. You know, if you, if you think that in your 20s and you may as well just give <laughs> yeah. up. So, so I made it my kind of ambition, really. I was like, I'm going to learn do, to do this stuff, even though it's not something I... So I, I basically walked into my nearest like mountaineering centre, which was there's a climbing centre in South Devon where I lived, um, and I went in there with a hundred pounds and said, "I want you to teach me to climb, but don't take me climbing. I want you to teach me to go climbing." And I joined the South Devon Mountaineering Club and went like gill scrambling with old men for like a few years, and I just wow. basically self-taught myself. Took my dad like top roping around Dartmoor and friends who like unsuspecting friends like climbing on Dartmoor. They're all like what are you doing? I was like, I don't know any climbers, but I really want to do this. So forced it, you know. But what, I mean, I mean, really unlucky to have that happen on like, yeah. your first day. I mean, I've, I've only been involved in sort of one rescue really of someone like in my whole time in the hills, Yeah. Um, which was fairly minor. They, they were fine. Like, oh, it could have been sort of a, a make or break moment. I know, really. exactly. Totally and I, put you off. I sometimes think, oh, you know, it probably should have gone the other way. It probably should have put me off for life. And I don't know why it didn't, but I think it made, more made me think, I, I, it made me realize in fairness that the hills are a dangerous place to be and you have to know what you're doing. And I definitely didn't on that day. You know, aside from the first age, you know, I was just up there, you know, obviously the people in our group, we had maps and we had a GPS and we had phone. And as it was, you know, we were all fine. I think pretty much doing okay. But I definitely personally didn't know what I was, was doing. It was your first day out, you know. You, exactly. Yeah. Most people on the you bend, really when they to. first go up yeah. the bend, probably don't. And and I, yeah, um, realised, you know, you, I didn't know enough. And I wanted to, be, if I was going to be in the hills, I wanted to be competent and safe, which is kind of why I ended up going down the instructor line, because I didn't necessarily want to work in the, in the hills at that time. I just thought if I did my SPA as it was, that yeah. would be the best way to learn to climb because it would be like best practice. I just wanted to do it right. And, and that, that's kind of my character as well. So I, I kind of went into that, that way of doing it. And, and the running came about the same time. As I say, I'd always kind of run. Once I started getting in the hills and I got a, a little, you know, I think it was Peter Cliff, a little pink handbook oh, yeah. about navigation. I read that, thought, right, now I know how to navigate. So I'll just do a mountain marathon because that's what you do, right? So okay. I dragged a friend of mine from London into doing a mountain marathon with me. Um, to do the LAM, uh, which is the Low Alpine Mountain Marathon. I think it was like 2006 or seven, something like that. Which needless to say, was horrendous. Like we were awful, the most awful. Like we, I think we were out for 11 or 12 hours at both days, okay. <laughs> you know. Um, 
we were shocking, really bad. And we on the second day, we had to follow people so that we could get the bus. That's how bad we were. Um, but I think when you're first starting in you know, these things, it's you're not even you're not even. It's not about going fast. It's just about getting yeah, around. Yeah, well, we just it? wanted and to survive, and you know, did we have the right shoes? And yeah. how do we put the tent up? And, and all it's that. so. I remember it's so exciting. I've done a couple, not for ages, but it's so exciting just going out and we've got our tent and you know, yeah. feeling pretty lightweight and yeah, exactly. And kind of the, it was such camp. an adventure. It really was. I loved it. And I did, again, I just totally. She was like, "I'm never doing that again." And I was like, "I don't think we spoke for a few weeks afterwards because it's quite hard." Um, yeah, yeah, I think probably a lot of uh, a lot of teams have that. Would say that, yeah. So <laughs> how many have you done? Have you done quite a lot of? I so I did one every and... year, yeah, and then okay. I've done a few others. Like I did the Highlander for a few years, and I I've only done one on, but it was the one that was cancelled halfway through. That's another oh. story. Um, Super wet, really wet, uh, flooded, yeah. And actually, weather. my brother and I we we bailed to Honister Pass, and it was really deep water. And a bus came through and they were like sort of hypothermic people falling around all over the place. And I was like, let's get on that bus. And we didn't have any money. So we, we basically blagged onto this bus and the guy took us to Keswick. And because I had a credit card in my bag, we went to a B&B &B, and then we went to a pub, dried our stuff in the laundrette. We were like, this is awesome. This is fine. It was all on the news, like, you know, casualties missing on the hills. And we just sat there and had a pint because we just thought, well, we'll go tomorrow, report okay. in. Because the rules used to be you're self-sufficient. Oh, okay. So if you retire, that's your problem. You have to report in by 10 a.m. on Sunday morning to the event centre. Oh, Otherwise, okay, they'll yeah. call Mountain Rescue. That's how it used to be. So I thought, well, that's what we'll do. Anyway, when we turned up on Sunday morning at the event centre, everybody was like, Ben ran over. Thank God you're alive. And the helicopter was looking for my brother and I and checking. <laughs> and we were like, oh, my gosh. Um, the guy's a tiny little bit cross with me. I, you know, like, you know, you've been out. And I was like... We didn't know. We didn't know that we we're supposed yeah, to phone yeah. it in. And who do we phone and all this? So, so no, now no. they have a number on the map, but okay. didn't used to have a number yeah, yeah. on the map. Um, what on was that? 2008. 2008. Where? What was it called? Was it, it was. Uh, um, it was North Lakes, anyway, wasn't was it? Boradale. Boradale. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were stories of people sort of hiding <laughs> in sheds and was, all sorts of and things. And that was the thing. The people that were at Honister Pass spent that night in the mines and they yeah, slept there geez. and there were people who slept in schools and sheds and barns and, and Ben had made it to mid camp by this point with a friend of his um, and they got evacuated in the middle of the night because it, it just yeah it flooded it really badly so really I know serious. I think yeah. sitting in a pub and having a pint we got off pretty lightly <laughs> felt really bad after the fact <laughs> but we didn't know that you know yeah and tell me about Girls on Hills yeah, um, so we started Girls on Hills. Girls on Hills is um, is my uh, my business, and uh, I run that with my friend Nancy Kennedy, who's also a local runner. Um, yeah, and I kind of had had this idea years ago. After so I did a sort of a a rounds challenge back in two thousand and eleven, like a solo thing, just a personal challenge, and I I just really loved it. And I thought, Joe, you know, it'd be really nice to do sort of guided running and make running my business, and running my work is kind of like what I what I love doing. Um, and I had loads of ideas and I sort of discussed them and I got so far with it. And then I just thought, I'll never make a living out of it. I'll, there's no point ever doing this. I'm just going to. And I just pulled the plug on it. I didn't really take it anywhere. Okay. Um, years later, obviously, I've now got two children. And in the process of having kids, the job I was working at the time, um, I went down to part time and then more part time, two back to back maternity leaves. Like it was kind of the nail in the coffin, really, for my career, um, which I wasn't really enjoying anyway. Um, and so it was much less of a leap, if you like, to, to leave the day job okay. and do something that was a bit of a gamble. Um, so it definitely felt like a gamble to say I'm leaving the office job. I'm just going to try and set up my own business and do this thing. But at the same time, I'm, I'm now a mum and that's what I suppose I see as my primary job. And so it was this is kind of something which would be nice if it brought in a little bit of extra money. But yeah, it also keeps yeah. my hand in, keeps me sane, I suppose, you know, <laughs> alongside being a mum. Um, and it was actually yeah much easier to do. And that was 2018. We set the company up and in the first year we just had like three weekends in the whole year where we thought well we'll just set it up and see what happens um and we didn't really expect it to do what it has done and, and people just yeah there was a lot of interest and, and the courses filled up quickly so in the second year we put loads more on i think we've had like 20 events in the second year and right. some of them the sky running in particular they filled up in 24 hours and we were just like <laughs> okay this it t totally sort of 
unexpected, you know, um, which has been amazing. And, and now we're sort of, I suppose, trying to get our heads around the idea that maybe we can use this for some positive good. So we've been trying to encourage more and more women to, to get out there in the hills and be a bit more independent. And, and um, I think a lot of people look at hill running and, and, and stuff from the outside and think, oh, God, I'd love to do that. But I just couldn't and wouldn't know how to start because I can barely run on the flat. I'll never be able to run in the hills. But it's just so wrong you know it's so not like that and um it doesn't need to be this really i don't know it doesn't have to it's not just something for super super fit people I and mean, i think yeah. anybody it's a, sort of sort of a, a continuum between hill walking and kind of elite sky running everything in between goes it doesn't need to be like one thing or the next I, yeah you know? i see yeah exactly the same yeah hill walking that's how i how most people start. yeah exactly yeah, well how a lot of people start Still running. Yeah. That's how I started, yeah, and yeah. I see it as very much a continuum. You're kind of doing the same thing, yeah. just at a different, yeah. different pace. Exactly. You know. So um, I, I think it was on. There's a video, a nice wee video, but with trespass on yeah. your website, <laughs> and I think right. you mentioned there the thing about if you, you know if you can run 10k on the flat, then yeah, you can exactly. get up in the hills. You know. Yeah, precisely. And that's not that. Un I mean, running road running is massive. The number of people that run 10k's on the road. I mean, that's the sort of that's the kind of level of, of fitness I usually say to people that would be good to have to come out hill running because you don't want to be out there and find it. You just you can't make it up the first hill and you have a dreadful time because it's going to ruin your experience of it and you you might not come back. You need just yeah. enough to get up there, but then you can definitely like sit down, have some sandwiches, and then do a wee bit of a run and then have some photos and a chat. And you know, it, it doesn't need to be like flat out running the whole time you just need enough fitness to, to get up the hill yeah. and then once you're up there enjoy your day and you know yeah there's no real yeah. rules really with no with precisely running. it doesn't i was finding with, with in lockdown when it was low level running yeah kind of from the house I, I was finding i would go out and i would just sort of stop and kind of look at the view and yeah sort of take it was my different time wasn't it a bit yeah. a bit more um, you mentioned before you did a PhD. Yeah. Am I, was that in neurobiology? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah neurobiology. Okay. So it was like to do with um, like limb targeting um, and so like proprioception and like perturbations to proprioception and whether it's like the neuroplasticity in the networks that underlie that okay. and, and how kind of they effectively learn to compensate for external perturbations and overcome those. It was like really... Um, how do I describe it on the kind of blue sky side of things so it wasn't very applied um, but the people that I worked with that did apply that kind of science it was putting it into things like prosthetics and robotics and um, things like that so that, that was where I kind of thought that that might go you know and but. does it have any application for running was my next sort of thought it, it, it doesn't really other than for me personally I I, I obviously think that um you know, proprioception is pretty important when it comes to trail running so you know i think ankle strength is probably one of the most important things and probably yeah, the yeah. most underrated <clears throat> um, areas to work on as a as a fell runner or a trail runner and that kind of thing and so I, I always say to people when i take them out that like if they're not someone who lives near to the hills and the trails and can get out a lot then working on like balance and and proprioception with like a wobble cushion or a wobble board and that kind of thing is a really good way of keeping keeping that kind of uh, tuned in so that you can actually utilize that when you get out on the hills. Because we, we probably take that for granted because we're out all the time and have strong ankles and you can, you're always running on an uneven surface. But a lot of people are quite reticent about, you know, for example, descending. And yeah. I think that a lot of the nervousness that people feel about descending, I mean, this is just my view, but isn't actually a fear of the steepness of the ground. It, it's kind of, um, if you like, an innate sense that your ankles and perhaps your legs aren't quite strong enough to cope with the forces involved and the, the, the instability of the, the terrain. And the stronger you get, I suspect that the confidence goes up with that, as opposed to you just need a personality transplant. I think there's things you can do to, to improve that. You know, I think exposure to, to doing that, yeah, your body adapts. Yeah, completely. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I suppose you, well, you mentioned in your somewhere online i read you, you seem quite scientific in the way you approach some of these things yeah i suppose that's just my mate yeah my sort of yeah the way background, i am about yeah. things yeah you yeah. Said, so you, you describe yourself very much as a descender yeah which, which, yeah which uh, i would i would uh, relate to that too <laughs> yeah um you had a statistic about 13 percent of yeah uh, it was from a, it was from a research um i don't know it was a, a study that i read um i can't remember which one it was now but it was saying that that percentage of people um 
that percentage of your descending ability is, is related to your innate kind of um, recklessness or okay. uh, th like thrill-seeking behaviour. And some people just aren't like that right enough. And so when people come out and say to me, I have a real fear of exposure, you know, can you help me with that? I'm always, it's a difficult one to answer because my first thing would be to say, well, it'll get better if you do more of it. Yeah, and there yeah. are sort of mental tricks that you can try, things you can try and do to try and help manage it. But ultimately, um, there is going to be a part of that, which is probably you, and you can find a way to deal with it. But aside from possibly hypnosis, I can't actually find you a, a cure okay. for that part of it. So, you know, it, that is one of the ones I think that it's like marginal gains is, unfortunately, you just have to do what you can with what you've got and keep, keep exposing yourself to it so that you sort of habituate a little bit to some of that. You know, and, yeah. and I think I'm sure you're meaning by exposing yourself, you're meaning uh, not kind of suddenly being on coverage or no, something. No, no, absolutely not. I love this not. idea of like basically yeah, start, build, building build up, up from... completely. But you know, being out there and and, and trying to. Jenny Tuff, I don't know if you know, know Jenny Tuff, but she's kind of like a, a adventure runner, explorer person, and she she gives a she often talks about like the you know your comfort zone, and um, you know if you don't push the boundaries of your comfort zone then it just kind of creeps in on you um, okay. and I, th I think that's really true when it comes to things like descending and things like ex dealing with exposure because um, you know and a bit like people are probably finding actually after lockdown with this whole skills fade thing if you if you don't do it for a while you kind yeah. of what you find easy and what you find comfortable retracts around you and then when you go back out it's harder whereas if you constantly try to just push yourself a tiny bit and yeah I don't mean like leap directly outside of your comfort zone yeah, yeah. but just operate a little bit at the periphery then it keeps pushing that a tiny bit away until something that you found quite scary is no longer quite scary and you can keep on pushing that out it's the same with with climbing the more you lead climb the eat you know the more comfortable you become with it and you slowly get better but if you don't do it for a while you might find it's yeah I have this weird thing with climbing now because I did quite a lot of rock climbing before yeah. I was more of a runner. Um, so like mentally I can look at something and I kind of know, you know, my root finding skill yeah. is still there. Yeah. And you can kind of imagine how you would do it, but because I don't really train my arm strength and things, yeah. you get on it and you're you, like, you this does not have, feel how I hoped it was going to feel. <laughs> you've got no arm strength. You're like, oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. There's, so... I'm I'm really excited to get on to the six riches <laughs> Sorry, of Bickle. I'm really rambling on. No, and that involves obviously we're going to talk about climbing with that and scrambling. There's a couple of things that I thought were really interesting from from that you've done in the past that I wanted to touch on, if that's okay. Sure. Um, so you mentioned briefly this three rounds oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that was this was the three big rounds. Yeah, it? it was the three big rounds. That was it was in 2011. Um, and actually, Paddy Buckley, it was so Bob Paddy Graham. Buckley, Bob Graham and Charlie Ramsey yeah. around. Um, and I've always had a bit of a fixation with them. I've always wanted to, you know, kind of looking at the maps and reading about them and history and various things. And I just I'd actually been dealing with an, a knee injury that had been pretty persistent for a number of years. And I'd got just fed up, really, with having that problem. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to set myself a challenge that stretches me that I really want to do that's exploratory and fun, but that I can do walking. So it was kind of originally in my head, it was like a walking challenge. Um, okay. So I was like, if I can't do a round, I'll do three and I'll walk them. That's what I'll do. So I set out with this project in my mind. Um, I was going to link them up in a sort of continuous adventure with one day travel between each round. Um, and so I went down and I did some wrecking of various bits. I didn't wreck all of it. I wrecked some of it. And I just and I, I didn't know at this time anybody who'd ever done them. So it wasn't as if I was part of a community of people with, with the beta. You know, okay. I just bought yeah. the map, went down there and went, <laughs> OK, uh, try to find my way around them. Um, various bits, did quite a bit of training and, and got stronger and fitter. And in the process, actually, my knee got loads better. Oh, great. So over the course of a year in training for it, I realised that I could run. So by the time the event came, you know, I actually could run it. But I didn't change the itinerary. I just thought, oh, I'll just do it and have more time. It'll be fine. Okay. So I yeah. just ran it and each day it took me like half a day kind of thing. And I had quite a relaxed kind of approach to it because it wasn't ever about any massive speed challenge. It was just about the journey. Um, yeah, because so that's a massive, I mean, it's like... 300k yeah yeah exactly and i had no yeah. idea if it would even go i was like i don't know if i can do this 
think they call it, do they call it the grand, the grand round? The grand round, that's yeah, it, yeah. yeah. At the time, I, that, I couldn't, didn't find that term anywhere, so maybe that's a more recent thing, I don't know. I, I hadn't come across the grand round. So, um, yeah, I just basically, I thought, well, there's no point starting and finishing at the Moot Hall, for example, because it doesn't necessarily put me in a good place to stop each day. So I had okay. to treat each round as like, where would I start in order to stop at the, you know, a third of the way round or however much round I wanted. And I would come down to the road and then my parents, who were kind of supporting me um, off the hill, would just pick me up, take me to our accommodation, which would be like a and b or something, okay. and drop me back the next morning to the exact same spot and I would go again. Okay. So I had, you know, all the recovery and food and things like that wasn't an aspect of it. I sort of thought that if I carried a, a tent or a bivy bag and food, it would just become this monstrously complicated challenge of refueling and sure, I just, yeah. it would be something different. And I, I didn't think I would be able to run with as much, you know, in the same way. Yeah, I just wanted yeah. to literally have like a tiny bag and just go. And it, yeah, was, it was brilliant. Yeah. Um, but because I had to have, um, because it was 10 days I wanted to do it over, I basically okay. thought, um, I'll need to book this off work. I can't just go when I'm ready, like with a 24-hour round or it's looking pretty good, I think I'll go. Okay. 10 days, I had to book it off work. So I just picked a, a, you know, some time in May when I thought would be a good time. Just picked the worst time ever. And it was like no visibility for the whole of Wales, horrendous winds for, for the lakes. And actually one day it was 100 mile an hour and I had to just chop it. I was oh. like, that's it. And I had a bit of a cry, if I'm honest about it, because it had failed miserably. And I'd raised £2,000 for charity, for oh, the John okay. Muir Trust and Water Aid. And I was gutted that I'd failed. Um, so then I just had the idea that I would just do two legs in two in one day. So I was like, well, that's all right. So I ran from like Threlkeld through to Wasdale on one of the days and was like, oh. that's fine. We'll just catch back up again so that was a back on track yeah so i was like that's okay we're back on while it was hailing like really windy um but i wanted to do it all solo because i suppose i just felt that it would i would learn more and uh in the process of doing it without anybody so i was by myself the whole time uh doing that came down uh into wasdale um in relief to to finish that day and then had caught up with the schedule um, so then came to Scotland where things are different because there's not roads and B&Bs along the way. So that was okay. going to be Bothies. Okay. And again, I didn't want to carry all my camping stuff. So I had friends and, and Ben actually ran into one of the Bothies. And so when I got into like the Bothie, he was there with my sleeping bag, which is brilliant. Cup of tea? Um, cup of tea, oh, yeah. Excellent. I think even a mini <laughs> bottle of wine, which was quite good. Um, but it did, on the day of the Grey Corries over to the Ben, so I stayed in that bothy at the bottom there, um, the Laraglicia well, bothy, okay. and then uh, was to finish on the bend that day. And uh, it snowed. <laughs> it was 60 mile an hour winds and snowing. What and time of year was it? May. <laughs> and I was like, you know, you do get that in May right enough, but I thought it would be all right, but it really wasn't. Um, and so, yeah, after I'd been blown over a couple of times and it was drifting a little bit in the trails and stuff on, on the top of Anach. So on Annachberg, I was too scared to go to the actual summit because it was that windy. It's quite near the edge. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I don't really want to go. So I was like, it's over there. And then I, did, I went sort of Annach more on my bearing. And then I was like, my phone started to go beep boop. And I was like, okay, this is getting a bit silly now because I'm going to be up here in terrible weather, really exhausted with no communication. I just, maybe this is getting, maybe that's too many bad things, you know. Um, I actually didn't feel that energy wise. I was fine, but I just felt like it wasn't right. And maybe you know what not a good idea and obviously had to d descend down to the coal before come or jerag and then had the cmd to do um okay. and it was still really really windy the organ pipes were just vertically blowing upwards you know on the oh. ben um so it was kind of horrible so i quit and i went down the um the ski toes oh, okay. so gutted two oh. summits from the oh. end <laughs> just a couple of miles gutted oh. and and people said to me you know um, oh, don't worry, you'll do it next time. And I was like, <laughs> don't think there'll be a next time. And I think, I mean, as we're talking about this a bit in the, the previous interview, like it's so easy after the fact to think, oh, it was only there. Yeah, you could have carried on, but, yeah. like, it's just often, it, well, it's just this, this accumulation of, you feel out on a limb and then the weather gets That's worse it. and you're more, more tired. stack up against you, and, don't and they? And wind doesn't show up on pictures. Like, wind is tiring. No, exactly. And, and it makes you cold. Yeah. And, and when your morale drops, I find anyway, when my morale drops, I get really cold. 
So, you know, if you're starting to worry about things, then it spirals a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and your podcast with Ed, as um, as was saying there about like maybe if I'd if you'd fed me, I could have carried on. But you know, if you're that wobbly, it could, that could have gone that way, but it could have gone a very different way, and yeah. that, and the consequences of that are massive. Aren't you they? make yeah, you make the best decision at the time, yeah. and, and then so, the hills are still there. Exactly, exactly. Maybe <laughs> one still day, maybe one day I'll go back. But <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, sorry, we lost you there. We had a bit of a battery issue, uh, which I'll see what I can sort out with my back up so um yeah the the other one was the transalpine run um 2018 i think yeah yeah and i don't know much about it i know it's seven days and it's a real long way in the mm -hmm. alps yeah it was 260 ish k um and about 1600 uh, 16, meters over the over the week um and the race um has a different course each year and i think it alternates east to west uh, so it has an east route and a west route um and yeah the year we did it we started in um in germany right in garmisch and we finished in um italy yeah in brixen so you run across okay. three borders you wow. run across three countries yeah so it's really cool in that way not that you know it when you're running through the mountains but yeah you cross these countries so that's obviously the name transalpine and um yeah, you, you basically, you, there's various packages. You can either run each day and then stay in like accommodation that they provide or you can camp or you can, okay. or they can provide you somewhere where you can like take a, a bivy bag and you, you know, you have like a kit bag and they ferry it from place to place. So it's quite logistically complicated at the other end. So, yeah, and yeah. for us, it was our kind of family holiday away from the kids. Yeah. The first one we'd had since we've got both girls. So so we went for the comfy option of like staying in nice hotels or whatever their their right. kind of package they arranged it um and so basically you know you run something i think the longest the shortest day was 27k but most days were between 35 and 50 odd so the longest i think was 52k and most days right. are somewhere in, in between that um so the first day was 42 and the second day was 27 that was the shortest day 27 and then after that it was like 50 something 40 something so you know so they're quite quest, big day. yeah, yeah really big, big days, days. and there's quite a lot of ascent too um and we made a bit of an error because we thought they would be really non-technical trails so we scaled okay. that back on the technicality around home and started running up and down like fire roads and west highland okay. way and things trying to train for <laughs> actual running um and when we got out there it was really quite technical and there was like you know um chains on the rocks oh, and we right. went on the glacier and, and it was really okay. great i mean we loved it but it was uh and so you know it was right up our street but it was uh, funny because we'd steered away from all that in training um it was pretty epic to be honest it sounds like really cool and really good to have um you know once the logistics are sort of sorted and you you're yeah. running you and ben basically well this is what we do today and then we get to a hotel and we can yeah. recover and, and I actually thought, we both thought wrongly that, because it was kind of our first ever stage race, we sort of thought that you would, um, it would be like an ultra, so we would be like running really slowly and shuffling along kind of thing. Okay. Um, but because they take all of that, um, you're allowed to recover and sleep and everything else, yeah. it actually felt really racy. So we were properly <laughs> going for it the whole time. So, I mean, obviously we were a mixed pair. And Ben's much faster than me. So I was absolutely gubbed for an entire week. It was, and it felt really like we were, you know, every day they post where, you know, where you come. And I think one of the days we'd come like, I don't know, seventh or something in the mixed. Um, so of course you could see Ben's little ears, you know, pricking <laughs> up. We, we can do this. So of course, after that, we just, it was like, I felt like we were going hell for leather the whole time. But, you know, Ben was probably fine, like jogging around like a gazelle going, you know, you're all right, having a good time trying to take a picture. I'm like, put that camera away! You know? But, um, and it yeah. makes a big difference um, having, like you say, somewhere to actually recover. Yeah, yeah. I've done this ski, four-day ski race yeah. in the Alps. And, and yeah, you stay, kind of, it's a package and you stay in a hotel. And yeah. Actually, you get a massage every every. Well, that was the well. thing. You could do it's that amazing. with this race as well. So, you know, you could properly set yourself back on track and start again the next day there were days when i couldn't get down the stairs in my accommodation like literally lowering myself down the stairs and i had big swollen ankles and stuff and i was like i, I just can't even run and then somehow you go and you run 45k and you've no idea how you've managed to do it so, well yeah. yeah i mean clearly i mean you've, you've done loads of climbing yeah <laughs> loads of running yeah and now maybe let's come on to the buckle yeah um so 
Buckle in this uh, SMC guide is described as one of the best scrambling peaks in Scotland, mm. which I don't think many people would disagree Absolutely, with. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> um, and link-ups, I, I love link-ups. Um, I, I started calling them esoteric challenges. Yeah. Um, they're, they're often less publicised than, say, rounds or records, although they are records in, in themselves. Yeah. But they're, they're, they feel more personal. Um, you, you sort of you come up with an idea yourself which might just be kind of bubbling away for years sometimes yeah and you think well how would i actually do that and then you sort of go through Look the process uh, and actually executing it um you know just leads to totally memorable days it does um i've not really done any link ups in glencoe but i've done quite a few on on ben nevis mm -hmm. um but yeah um six ridges of the buckle <laughs> yeah. um i suppose maybe first thing like talk us through the route well, we, um, we thought, in case anybody wanted to, to do it again, we thought we would start somewhere obvious. So we, we thought we'd start on the bridge. Seems to make sense to start on the bridge there. So that's um, it, out on the fay. Out on the fay, yeah, yeah crossing. Um, and so we sort of stuck to the clocks there and we, we ran into the bottom of um, Lagengarve okay. buttress. So we went up Lagengarve. We came down um, Great Gully buttress. Okay. And then we went up Broad buttress. And then we figured that we'd need to come back down Great Gully Buttress because you really wanted to go up North Buttress. So we went okay. up North Buttress um, and then, yeah, down Curved Ridge, which we felt was a little bit of a shame to come down. You felt like you needed to go up Curved Ridge as well, but um, we came down Curved Ridge so that we could go up Crowbury Ridge. Okay, um, which is the most difficult one. Which is the one. most difficult one. Yeah. And it's funny as a challenge because it, gets, it kind of gets harder as you go through them. So, you know, you start with lagging going, oh, this is fine, this is good. And then you kind of go through and you're like, oh, you know, uh, Northridge is feeling kind of, uh, you know, a bit, bit harder climbing, a bit more, a bit steeper. Yeah. And, and Curved Ridge is sort of, I suppose it's easier really than North Buttress, but it's still kind of much harder than the earlier ridges. And then you finish with the hardest ridge. Okay. You know, so, and actually <laughs> on that day, it was forecasting like thunder and lightning. Uh, it was quite a bad forecast, but it looked fine. And obviously living so local, we were like, well, we'll just keep an eye or keep tabs yeah, yeah. on it. Um, but all the time you're aware that, <laughs> the, you know, you're going to be getting most committed at the later in the day. And you're like, oh, this is not ideal. But, but actually that weather never came in. So it's fine. Okay, great. Yeah, it looked like <laughs> yeah. really good weather. It was a good yeah. day. It was hot. Um, it was that humid, so hot day. But yeah, it was dry and brilliant. So, so just orientating us a wee bit because... Um, like a lot of people listening, yeah, Curved sorry, Ridge yeah. will be the, the kind of the most famous know. one. So yeah. the moderate uh, scramble, yeah. uh, which is part of the that Glen, Glencoe, Glencoe skyline, skyline, which yeah. is a great, great route. Um, it gets a lot of traffic, so mm. it's it's uh, you know there's crampon scratches, pretty easy. Yeah, uh, that's uh, right. Or rather, I should say, there's um, you know nice clean solid rock. You can see where people. Yeah, I mean, pass. it's obviously so much more travelled when you go through all those ridges. Yeah. It's like it's distinct in being you know clearly having been so well travelled. Yeah. So that's the most well-known one. I've yeah. done a couple of the other ones, but I wasn't really so familiar with like the, the first one. So um, look, looking from uh, you know, the classic triangular view onto yeah. the north face of the Buchel yeah. from kind of out in the Fay, uh, Curve Ridge kind of on the left, isn't it? Yeah, and that's right. You Lagengarve's kind of right on the right, yeah. and you worked kind of from right exactly. to, it's to just, left. Lagengarve's kind of just left of the main gully, Corrie yeah. Metallic up there, uh, the main Corrie. The huge Corrie. The huge the, Corrie, yeah. easy way up. So you're sort of starting just left of that. Um, I suppose it's the we most westerly of the ridges uh, of the buttresses and, and sort of just working, as you look at it from the bridge, working toward the left. Okay. Um, yeah. And those ones, so Lagengar buttress, Great Gully buttress. Great Gully buttress is described as, I don't really know what this means, one of the more shy and retiring buttresses of the face. Yeah, I don't, I basically, <laughs> as we went through it, Lagengarve, like really, I, I hadn't done it for the first time until quite recently. The others I've done, but that one I, that was, I, I'd only done it a few weeks previous to it. Um, and I was really shocked by how good it is. It's really, really quality okay. rock. It's so solid and it's really slabby. So it feels, it's brilliant climbing. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anybody who wasn't feeling super confident because although it's reasonably easy, if you're thinking you might protect it, it's quite. There's not a lot in the like compared to curved ridge where there's like spikes and blocks and things. It's it's a really slabby sort of buttress, um, which is and it's just super super grippy. And actually, it reminded me of um, being on the cooling. So I had really sore hands, which uh. I never get from scrambling. Well, it's so rough, and so I got quite tender 
you know, skin from from uh, from scrambling on that ridge that day because um, yeah, that rough that rock is really really grippy. Um, I suppose it doesn't get the traffic either. Yeah, I mean, so. I'm really having looked at the guidebook. I'm really keen to go and check out those, yeah, those it's, scrambles. Yeah, it's a really nice I one. I bet they, they don't get done that much. Well, that's it. I think um, Great Gully Buttress and Broad Buttress just felt a bit more. Um, a bit more broken up you know there's a few scrappy bits in there and there's a few little down climbs where um it steepens up a wee bit um and and you know they're both still that's the thing there's so much good scrambling on the buckle they're still really really good good ridges you know brilliant so um then i guess you moved uh the second half certainly was the, the yeah more, um the di more difficult mm. um so yeah so up north buttress i i done that a couple of times it's very broad isn't it and you yeah i think we, it was funny actually we came in so after we came down great gully buttress the second time we sort of um cut across where there's some like climbers trails that come into sort of slime wall and we kind of came across high you know just above where there's like the twin boulders for north buttress we came in okay. um, above that so we'd, we'd cut off what would normally be some of the approach um, but we were still away below the actual start of the scrambling but that felt quite nice because you didn't feel like you had to go right down to the bottom of the hill each time yeah and also you're you're like you mentioned slime wall so that's a absolutely classic steep uh you know yeah it's, and it's, so it's really climbing. imposing as you kind of come around and, underneath and you're it kind of getting a great yeah, view of yeah, it exactly it's it's really dramatic through there sort of cross this burn so that was a good p point because we filled up water there which was pretty important on that day because it was so hot <laughs> um and then yeah north buttress is is um is brilliant and i first did it as a, i think i first did it in winter as a winter route um and you just sort of follow this scully line um yeah, okay. and in summer i usually don't stick as true to the gully the bottom half i do and the top half as you say is quite broad and, it, and it, there's plenty of route choice and you just sort of yeah, head yeah. up and um so yeah we, we we went up there and that's brilliant and when we topped out of that we sort of thought should we be going to the summit or not um but we went just to the the what a lot of people think of as the summit, which is actually the viewpoint, you know, that looks oh, yeah. out over yeah. the, the Rannoch Moor. So we went up and sort of tagged that. And then obviously okay. you go to do curved ridges right there. So um, I came down the top of curved ridge and, and just took a few moments. I mean, we weren't super sort of racy with any of this. Like we were definitely like taking photos and, and, and enjoying, sort of enjoying yeah. the day. Um, definitely. And uh, yeah, came down curved ridge, which we've obviously, you know, done a whole bunch of times um very popular yeah it's not like you just rocked up to this yeah no uh, exactly done, so have you, have you done I, all the routes before or um yeah so uh or most so of only them. the last one this was the funny thing about it the only one i hadn't done was crowbury ridge okay okay yeah, yeah so which was the last and hardest one so that was the one i hadn't done well i say i hadn't done it i have done it I cl i've climbed like january jigsaw and finished off up the ridge so i suppose i have okay. done it but i haven't done the exact route that we did at the bottom of that route Sure. Rich, so. And did I see for some photos? Was that the? Did you use a rope? Yeah, in that we one? did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we. So that's we, a diff rock. Yeah. Climb, so, we, so we didn't have a rope up. on any of the rest of it. But then when we got to, so we basically came down curved ridge, and, and we climbed right to the foot of the climbing, and then climbed back up a little way because yes. we felt we had to had to descend the whole ridge. So we descended the whole ridge and climbed back up a little way, and then crossed into the first platform on the bottom of Crowbury Ridge. Um, and there's a little section of diff there. It's quite funny, actually. There's a little wall uh, that takes you to the first platform. And I've sort of soloed up that a number of times with a rope on my back to climb it um, okay. previously. But actually, in my fell shoes, it felt quite goey. You know, it's, it's quite a big move off the ground. And I was like, I'm going to need that rope. So, And I always had in the back of my mind that we might, we might want to get the rope out. So we did, we did get the rope out for, for that. Um, and yeah, so we were obviously in, in our fell shoes um and we hadn't wrecked the the crowbury ridge indirect and okay, um, yeah. we just thought it's a nice day life's too short we should just go for it yeah, kind yeah. of thing so we you know we we took stuff to really minimal stuff to sort of protect that um in case we needed the rope and we we did because actually it's it's far more committing and exposed than you realize like not there's bits of diff climbing and stuff like on the Coolin Ridge that I've done that I wouldn't think of necessarily wanting a rope for but that's not this wasn't like that it, it felt really it just well exactly it was really exposed it sort of drops away into the gully and then you come right round onto the nose and and I think the guidebook description just says it's really serious and, and it feels like that um I, I remember um I think I did it last year yeah but, um 
you, you come off, uh, you go yeah. right kind of into this gully and you it's, do. it's all a bit more broken. It was a bit greasy and a bit a like, bit, There's a yeah. bit of kind of damp. Exactly, it felt around. quite dank. So I'm then, like there in my fell <laughs> shoes going, this is not great, you know. And so I definitely felt like we really slowed up then, you know, like we'd okay. been moving quite well and then we really slowed up for that because um, we did lots of tiny little pitches because yeah, we just cause had... Yeah, it was quite windy, isn't it? Yeah, it was it? really windy and we, we just had like the rope tied around our waist so we didn't have harnesses. Um, oh, right, okay. We just tied on and like did it old school. I felt so, like yeah. Don Willens or something. <laughs> so it's a degree of protection, but yeah, you yeah. definitely don't want to have a fall Exactly, so we yeah. were really like... We were assuming we were not going to have a fall on that, yeah. but that was there to sort of protect us should the worst thing happen. We did have a few wires and um, some slings and, you know, okay. a little bit of tat. And so we were sort of able to protect it kind of going around but we kept these little short pitches it was quite then, interesting having the rope around yeah. my <laughs> clipping like a quick draws onto the rope not my harness it felt quite weird <laughs> and then then it goes back left doesn't it yeah kind of across this terrace and then you're back on really nice that's rock. right so you sort of come back right and there's like one sort of I don't know, slightly more exposed kind of step round. And then it's much like the other ridges, really, yeah. in terms of difficulty. And so we took the rope off then and, and romped up to um, the tower and went up yeah. to the top of the tower, back down slightly. Probably tower, it's a really cool place. Yeah, to exactly. It's such a viewpoint when you're up there. Um, and then back down and up over to the summit. Uh, and then we just, we ran, we thought, we, we had two minds because you could just come back down Curved Ridge and run out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we were like, as we were running down Corinatella, we were like, we should have gone down the curved bridge, but it would have been quicker. But it just felt really natural to to actually run off run and to out. run out. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah, we came down and did the classic sort of route off off of the off the buckle and charged back to the bridge and stopped the clock. Oh, whatever. Right. <laughs> it was really fun. Like I mean, we we had no idea like what it would take time wise. So yeah. Was just interesting to try it, you know. Was it? It was five and a half. It was five and a half hours, so for six ridges, so we were pleased yeah. enough with that. Especially because one was definitely like an on-site rock climb. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. That did suck quite a lot of time out of it, as you can imagine. So yeah, before that, I was like, "Wow, we're going really well," and then it was like this whole of time. As soon as yeah, as soon as you get a rope on and have to start yeah thinking about that, it just it yeah. does slow things down. Yeah. But yeah. That, I mean, that sounds fast. Well, uh, yeah, we, we were happy because we felt we didn't have, you know, it linked up exactly how we thought it would link up. Okay. And as I say, we hadn't wrecked it, but we just thought it would go really nicely. And yeah. with, and it's minimal, like, you know, I was thinking about the ridges on the bend and, and like between them and things like that. You know, the good thing about this particular link up is they're literally just like right, right there. Yeah, yeah. Because um, so yeah, you didn't go very far. Was it 15k? Yeah, I know it was really <laughs> short. <laughs> or very far along the way. Is I what know. I mean. but... If you don't include the run around the top, it's yeah. like yeah, it's not a lot. But the great thing with these link ups is you, you suddenly, you know, we don't have mega mega long alpine routes in, in the UK. Yeah, exactly. But if you link stuff and you're coming up and down things, you'd suddenly well, you've it got felt really old school. Like, this is how people of... used to train for the Alps. Yeah. <laughs> Just by going up and down to stuff in Glencoe, you know, it was really cool. Um, and also, like, Ben said to me, like, oh, God, but to the point we've only done 1,600 metres of ascent, because it's not actually that much ascent. And I was like, yeah, but that's like a 1,600 metre route. Yeah. But, you know, like, yeah. that's pretty cool. So it's like one and a half L caps. <laughs> it's amazing, really. It's Although brilliant. maybe not <laughs> yeah, comparable. Not quite as hard yeah. as that, but yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was really fun. I definitely recommend it to it's, anyone. Yeah, who, it sounds I'm it sure it'll really go, cool. like, half, you know half as as uh, as long you know it would be much possible but to it's it much quicker great day but it was a really you guys fun day came out with the idea yeah. were there any kind of low points or sort of difficulties or did it kind of go as as planned it kind of did go as planned in fairness like we were just really we're so you know it's our kind of romping ground we were up there a lot so it was it weren't really any surprises um the weather was great so it was all really nice i think for me the low point was definitely that that traverse into the gully at the bottom of Crowbury Ridge, where, you, as okay. you said, you sort of traverse into the main gully and then you come back out. And at that point, I felt like there was a chance. We weren't completely convinced we were on the line because it suddenly just gets really a bit yeah, grim. And bit we were like, vague. you know, yeah. And I was just like, oh, no, we've kind of gone off route, maybe. And, you know, it was taking a bit longer. And I just thought, oh, I'm messing it up, you know, ruining the, it. The diagonal traverse kind of going back out. It, to yeah. me, it was like, oh, is that it? it yeah, well, that exactly. Obvious. And yeah. Ben was just like, I don't know, but we're gonna, this is the right way. And it just felt a bit like it was definitely quite greasy in there and a bit slimy, a bit like mossy and whatnot. And so, yeah, it felt all, all a bit precarious, which is not ideal. And I suppose what was going through my mind was it'd be a real shame if 
we got off route or got sort of like had yeah, to yeah. retrace our steps and redo a section of it or something. But, you know, as it was, it probably wasn't as as bad as I thought it might be at the time. Like, you know, and obviously with the weather, as I said, you know, I'm aware that, you know, yeah. So that was probably the low point, but it wasn't sort of dr drastically bad. Really. And then you get around the corner, you're back on the kind of Yeah, and actually we met some rock. climbers because we'd seen them climbing up. They were coming up Agag's Groove, I think. Um, so we sort of met them. They were like, what are you doing? Because <laughs> it's all washed us going up, down Curved Ridge, back up, across. And we appeared on the top. I think they thought we'd lost our marbles, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> but it was fun. I, I think it's great. I love, I love those kind of routes. We were like, hi! <laughs> Just popped out. Um, have you, now I've got a question for you, because I've done this, and I'm sure uh, so, <laughs> other people have. I know of at least one person who's done that. Um, Going up towards Curve Ridge to climb Curve Ridge, if you're kind of not really concentrating and just kind of, oh, I'll go and do Curve Ridge. Yeah. Maybe if you haven't done it for a while. Yeah, it's hard to get on the bottom of it. Ended up on D Gully Buttress. D Gully Buttress, which <laughs> yeah. is a great harder. It is. I've, I've, I have actually <laughs> climbed D Gully Buttress in the winter and it definitely felt harder than Curved Ridge. And so I suppose I've definitely had trouble finding the bottom of Curved Ridge, but I usually know when I'm not on it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a classic one to do, yeah. I've done that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know other people who have. And uh, you, I think when I did it, because it's a diff, so it's, compared to Curve Ridge yeah. being a mod, so it's, yeah. it's a great harder, but I think I find a sort of wee chicken run round the You're like, this part. is fine, and then you get up and it runs out, and you're like, oh, I'm at the top, I'm halfway up Curve Ridge. Yeah, yeah, classic. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that, that sounds like a really cool day out. Um, have you got any advice to anyone who's sort of maybe thinking about getting into, maybe into scrambling, or even just into, like, rough running? Um, I think... Getting into scrambling, I would just say a bit like we were, what we were saying right at the beginning about like your comfort zone and things like that. I would just start really easy with it and just sort of really gradually build up. I think one of my sort of big concerns with the sort of growth of sky running around Glencoe has been that people think, oh, well, that's the race route, so I'll go and do that. And I've, I've spoken to quite a few people who have been, you know, they've never been to Glencoe before and they've probably never really been scrambling before and they're like halfway up Curved Ridge before they realise like, how committing and serious it is. And, you know, yeah. I definitely wouldn't recommend, for example, getting on Curved Ridge without having done some like grade one, some grade two and, and sort of building up because the consequences of scrambling are massive. You know, in theory, it's far more dangerous than going rock climbing and people don't yeah. realise that because it doesn't feel as hard, but it is, it's dangerous. And, really you know, I mean, we, we did this whole, I should have said before, but we you know we did this whole thing with our helmets on because okay. uh, there'd been a rockfall um, the previous week. Actually, it was below where we where we were and we didn't go anywhere near that really. Okay, yeah. So it's actually at, right at the toe of, um, of Crowbury Ridge. But, you know, we didn't know that at the time. And so we, we wore our helmets and we had like tat to escape and we took quite a lot of, you know, our first aid kit was kind of geared in the direction of like if you had a, a knock from a rock or, a, okay. you know, it was quite a hefty, but some hefty bandages. And, you know, obviously we weren't expecting to have a fall or anything like that, but we were trying to think, you know, be safety conscious as well. Thinking about potential yeah. Yeah, yeah. issues. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out that, you know, we we climb on these ridges a lot and, and have, you know, climbing experience beyond that kind of thing. So it was it was a kind of comfortable day out. You know, the yeah. challenge for me was linking it up and seeing how quickly we could link it up rather than the technicality of it. And I think that's really important because you don't want to be pushing yourself technically, in, you know, if you're new to it kind of thing, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think no one, well, no one who's doing link-ups is, is sort of coming in as like a, a thick yeah. kind of uh, you know, trail start, runner yeah. and then, and then just, just jumping on. Like, if you're doing link-ups, uh, I like the term incremental, like you've, you've built up to, you know, you've, and, and there's no rush, you know, there's so many good objectives that, yeah. like, I remember way back in uni, like, one of my, my first kind of uh, winter climb was just this, it wasn't even a grade one, it was like the easiest kind of climb up this slope on Montagar. Yeah. And, um, but it just, because we didn't know anything really, it was, it was exciting because we were going and doing this ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And then we built up from it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's the thing with link-ups. Uh, a lot of people will be, a lot of people will be fit enough for link-ups. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, you know, like, you know, make sure just, you know, give yourself a break. Just yeah, like, exactly. build up. There's lots of kind of stuff you can yeah. do. And, and it doesn't need to be, you know, the technicality of it doesn't need to necessarily be the challenge. Like I think, you know, I've actually just written something for um, 
for for UK hill walking just recently about route planning and I, I think that for me like one of the most exciting things about going out running in the mountains or linking stuff up is is the creativity aspect of it like coming up with your own idea if you go out and do your own idea it's like 10 times more fun than just following yes. what somebody else did and um, it doesn't necessarily need to be hard it just needs to be something that that you that you're psyched for yeah. and that you like like the sound of and it could be really obscure like I'm going to go out and, and link those 10 bridges or those five viewpoints or like the top three I don't know small cans on that ridge or whatever like anything that you think would be quite cool to just kind of obscurely link together yeah. it can be a really fun day out and it's the creativity aspect which i think makes it really fun you know it doesn't need to be i mean it can be obviously physically challenging but it doesn't necessarily need to push you that way just putting your own ideas on it is, it is creative is fun. isn't it yeah, yeah. you know Brilliant. And with that in mind, have you, what's your sort of next thing? Uh, oh, I do have a, <laughs> I do have a little bit of a plan for a, a bit of a round, but um, you know, not not one of the established rounds. But I thought I've, I've thought of a wee round that I might have a stab at, okay. um, and and see if it'll go and, and if it'll be a nice run or not. I don't know. Uh, so watch this space. Can't give too much away. <laughs> in Glencoe or? <laughs> oh, that would be telling. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh, lo exciting. local. They're yeah, local. Um, I think that's to be honest. In lockdown, like that's. It spurred a lot of people on to look look at their local area a bit more closely. Yeah, you know, yeah, so it makes it's, it's made you look at it. what you have locally and appreciate it. And yeah. Say, oh yeah, this is good. Yeah. So yeah, more to do. Well, brilliant. This has been really fun chatting you. to you about all that. Um, do, do you want to say like where where to find you on sort of online? Yeah, you can just find us www.girlsonhills.com uh, uh, or just Girls okay. on Hills on Facebook. Yeah, and Instagram, you're and Instagram, well. yeah, Girls on Hills UK, we are on Instagram. Brilliant! Thanks very much, Gary. Thank you for coming. <laughs> no, that's nice great. Nice to chat to you. <laughs> and I can, in fact, reveal that just a few days after our interview, Kerry went out and had a chance to complete her project, which was the Glencoe Corbett's round. So this uh, looks really cool on the on the map. The six Corbett's sort of surrounding Glencoe. Uh, 59 kilometres and over 5,000 metres of ascent and certainly going to some of the less frequented uh, rough parts of Glencoe. Um, she describes uh, lots of big river crossings, tussocks, bogs and loose scree. So it sounds like it was a real a good day out and uh, 15 hours 30. So <laughs> it looks cool and it looks like she had good weather for it as well. So um, what, I guess watch this space for um, the next challenge, I'm sure. Thanks very much. That's the end for this week and um, see you again in due course.